All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. This isn't a full episode, Chris. We recorded episode 126, I think it was, last night and that was out this morning for people to listen to our regular Saturday start time. But there was a scrimmage this evening and we had to put a bonus episode out there for people to hear. Big story of the night, Chris. I guess I haven't even introed you in before. I'm just so eager to get into it. Chris, first of all, (laughs) how are you doing? Man, like the intro song said, Saturday night's alright for fighting, baby. Nickelback, any way I can get Nickelback into the intro and into the Canucks combo, I'm so down. So, man, yeah, I, I, I'm doing great, let's just get right to it, let's get to the to the fight. The big thing of the night, Tyler Mott and Adam Gaudet dropped the gloves. Chris, we were just talking about this before we hit record here. I didn't realize that Mott was throwing two slew foots. The injury to Jace Howerleck, just to break it down for people... I don't know, Chris, you can give your perspective after, but we're sitting up there in the Encore suite, and I had my head down because I was writing while I was watching the game, so I had my head down for a split second, and I just hear yelling, and I look up, and somebody's down on the ice, and I didn't see who it was, I put on the old glasses because I don't wear them the whole time because they fog up with the mask on, so I put on the glasses, I see it's Jace Howerluck, I'm looking around, asking, you know, Farhan was right behind me. I'm like, Farhan, did you see that? He didn't see it, and I don't think he got it on video either. So 
I was like, okay, maybe this is one that we just don't really know what happened. And then, you know, you hear people in the press box kind of talking and I heard some people say, oh, it was Jalen Chatfield that hit him or, oh, they got tangled up. It was this, this, but we've seen video now and you've retweeted the video. I have retweeted the video. So people listening to this, you can go look on our Twitter feeds and find it. It was a slew foot from Tyler Mott. Like, I don't think there's any other way to put it. Like they got tangled up and like, I get it. Like, it's not like Mott was trying to hurt him, but you just, you can't do that. You can't just leave your foot out like that. And it, it's weird behavior from Mott because then he did it again to Adam Gaudet in a much more obvious fashion. And then that was what really pissed off Gaudet. The two fought and Gaudet went off after that. He didn't return. So we're going to talk to them tomorrow morning. I think those are the two most requested players of any day of training camp. I think every media member who has their wits about them is going to be requesting uh, Tyler Mott and Adam Gaudet. I know I did for the Zoom call, and I also requested Bo Horvat. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. But Chris, what were your thoughts on the Howerluck hit? Like, did you see it right away? Just to correct you, Gaudet did return to the scrimmage. Like, he didn't miss a shift. He, he came right back in. Um, oh, good. But... Yeah, because he had a scoring chance, like, right when he went back on the ice. Uh, but, yeah, the Howerluck hit um, from Mott. Yeah, I'll start with that one. I just think that that one's a little bit less obvious. Like, it's a quick bang-bang. Howerluck bumps into Mott. Mott gets caught in a strange situation. Not, like, the way that the play resulted with another player being there made it look like a pretty bad slew foot. But that one, that one I think I can I can let go. But the yeah. one on Adam Gaudet is, that's a that's a bad play. That's a like that's a really bad play to do if you're if you're Brad Marchand in a game against you know the yeah. Montreal Canadiens. But to do that in practice, like there was time, space, and enough room for him to make a decision, but he still goes off and does that. And then like th- not only that, but I think that it was strange to see Tyler Mott acting like that on the ice. Like he's he's had a camp where he's been skating like hell, like a like a bat out of a cave every single time. But like. At the same time, like, whatever was going on tonight wasn't good because after the slew foot that he initiates with Adam Gaudet on the boards, they both kind of start to get up, and Tyler Mott, like, smashes his stick out of the way. Like, yeah. he, he was, like, it's almost like he was mad about getting into this slew foot situation with Adam Gaudet, and, you know, Adam Gaudet drops the gloves and goes right at him and, and threw a couple good punches. I mean, you, you included it in the postgame article. Like, Adam Gaudet can, can hold his own in a fight, for sure, if he's, like, put into a situation like that. And yeah, I think that it was it was pretty hectic to be honest. Like the the media room was was buzz or the media box that we're in the encore suite. Like it was it was buzzing. I don't think we've had that much talk at all in, in this whole week. And and to be honest, like I've been tweeting out videos like crazy. Right, that's that's my most mu- viewed video from the whole week of training camp. Is is Tyler Mott dropping the gloves with Adam Gaudet in a fight after a slew foot? It was it was tough to watch in a scrimmage. To be honest, like you you really don't want to see that at all. I have a theory that Tyler Mott, when they were getting up, said that he doesn't think the DMR needs to be nerfed, and I think that's what got got at so mad. I might, you yeah, know, I'd love been. to crack that joke. If we were in locker room setting, I would crack that joke to got at, but I don't want to do that on a Zoom call, because I, I don't think that's a good idea on a Zoom call. But no, it was, also, yeah, you corrected me, thank you. I, it was Howerluck who didn't return. I, I yeah, right, I got sorry. the names mixed up. But yes, Howerluck didn't return. Howerluck looks much more serious than Gaudet immediately. Like, you know, obviously if Gaudet's getting up and fighting right away, he's not that hurt, right? So it's not a matter no, but of... The, yeah, sorry, just to cut in, like, looking at the video of Howerluck, like, his first point of contact, like, that's what I included yes. in the tweet, but, like, 
it's his head or his shoulder and his head hitting the ice first. And, and we, like I was with, I was with PJ and I was talking to him about it. We thought like, Oh, maybe the wind just got knocked out of him. But now that you see the hit again, like it's, it looked like his head and the way that he was on the ice, like it felt like it was a head injury, but we were still thinking like, Oh, maybe it was the wind just cause maybe he landed on his flat back. But the way you looked at it, the point of contact's in the upper body area, if not the head. So that's a tough spot, man. And you know what? Jace Howerluck was probably, you know, not going to make this Canucks team out of camp. But just to to be in that situation, to happen in a scrimmage, in a, in a play that shouldn't happen uh, when you're playing your own teammates, to be 100% honest, like that's that's a tough way to go out of training camp. And, and I don't know if we'll be seeing him soon. We'll, we'll be able to report on it pretty early. Um you know, since 12.45 is media availability. Yeah, 12.45 um, so, a.m. as per Canucks yeah. PR on Twitter. Yeah, so bright and early, just before I watch the Pod Colson game tomorrow morning. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, that's, yeah, that's a tough way to start. And I just think, I I don't know, like, I, the way that the Howard Luck hit kind of started was like, Howard Luck bumps into Tyler Mott, right? Like, he, he gives him a shot, right? Like, they, they don't, neither of them have the puck, they get into each other, Howard Luck bumps into him. A little push, and then it goes from there, and Mott does that play. I just, I, like, the thing for me with this whole situation is Tyler Mott, like, like, it's a little thing, but, like, he slashes Adam Gaudet's stick after, you know? Like, if it was, like, oh, sh- like, oh, crap, like, we, we bumped into each other, sorry, man, that was a bad play, your teammates. But, like, he slashes a stick away, you know? Like, that's an, in- that's an initiator right there of, like, go time, and Adam Gaudet didn't flinch. Like, he went right in and dropped yeah. the gloves, like... I just think that, I think a lot of this, like, to be honest, a lot of this is on Tyler Mott. Well, yeah. I mean, I I think the incorrect take from this is, oh, they shouldn't have fought at practice. What is Godhead doing? Like, no, that is that is the incorrect take. And I'm not just saying that because we play Warzone once in a while in his private lobbies. <laughs> I'm saying that because it's literally not the wrong move to make. It's just, if you're going to have a guy running around, and, he, okay, Here's what I want to post to you, Chris, because if the Howard Luck thing doesn't happen, okay, and, you know, I, I know it's a minor thing, but I'm pretty sure Howard Luck and Godet were on the same team for that. Uh, if if that doesn't happen, if Howard Luck doesn't go down and Tyler Mott doesn't throw a slew foot at Jace Howard Luck, you know, accidental, whatever you want. The, the fact of the matter is he hurt Jace Howard Luck and it was Tyler Mott that hurt him. If that doesn't happen... Do you think Godet comes up as incensed? I say no, because when he came up, and I don't know if people can hear this on the live stream, but Godet was basically, you know, even after the fight, and he was, like, yelling at him on the ground, he was still, he wouldn't let go of him, like, they were, they were going at each other, and then when they were, when Godet was being, when when he was skating away and McEwen was kind of, you know, guiding him away, like, he was basically saying, like, what the F are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And it's just like, I I think if there's no Howerluck before that, no Howerluck hit, I don't think Godet's is mad. I doubt that they even fight, if I'm being honest with you. No, it's it's the, I think the initiator is when, when Mott does that and then slashes his stick away. That's that's the thing for me. Howerluck hit or not, like, you do a slew foot on a guy like that, Maybe you just say, oh, I got caught up, it's bad. Like, you hold the guy after, say sorry while you're on the ice. But, like, his first move after that hit, or slew foot, like, it's not even a hit. But, like, his first move after that is to get up quickly and slash got at stick away. That's the initiator. Honestly, I disagree. I don't think I don't think that was the thing that was tipping think- it. I think they were already talking on the ground, and that's why Mott threw, 
hit the stick away because Godet was probably saying something to him and he was like, what the hell? And he slashed the stick away. I don't think, I don't think the stick was the, the instigator, to be honest with you. I, I still, I, I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to the belief that if the Howard Luck thing didn't happen, that he wouldn't have been as mad. And I, I don't even think they would have fought. I think it would have been more so kind of what you were saying. I think the stick, ha- the stick getting slashed away happened because Godet was so mad already. You know what I mean? Like, I think immediately he was barking at Mott and you could hear that. And I don't know, like, I don't know. It's, it's not a great look, but you know, Canucks fans were having fun with it right away, tweeting out that the St. Louis Blues uh, had a big fight at practice. Robert Bortuzzo, I can't remember who he fought, but he fought one of his teammates, and then they went on to win the Cup. So maybe this is just a way to set the tone, and you know that is exactly what Captain Bo Horvat is going to say tomorrow when we talk to him. He's just going to you know, he's gonna be a good captain. He's going to say, yeah, you know, intensity level's high out there. Uh, you know, we're just trying to keep it, uh, keep it at game action and blah, blah, blah. You know, you know how we already know what the answers will do, but will that stop us from driving to Rogers arena and hopping on a zoom call? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Not on a Sunday when there's nothing else to do. I mean, yep. yeah, I just, I just think that that's the way they're going to twist it. They're going to say like, it's great to see you compete level so high. I mean, guys are just itching to get into game action. Like we know what we're going to hear from Bo <laughs> Horvat tomorrow and we're going to get Bo Horvat probably first thing tomorrow. I mean, that's, you know, that's, tone. that's the onus on a captain. I, I just wrote an article for Canucks army. I don't know when it's dropping cause you haven't edited it yet. I don't think, but you know, I wrote about Bo Horvat going through a sophomore season now as a captain. And this is, this is a, a challenge situation, right? Like you're throwing Bo Horvat probably out first, unless you're actually going to put Mott or Godet out to talk first. But I think that the move is to throw Bo Horvat out. I think that's going to be the PR's decision is to make your captain go out and talk about the big event that happened the night before. I mean, that's that's the role of a captain. That's a role of a guy who plays in a big market like Vancouver. Like the questions are going to come. You know, this isn't Columbus or, or Florida. You know, like you're going to get this hard questioning on a captain like this. And people talk about, you know, how much does a captaincy mean? This is a perfect example of why you need a good captain. And you know what? Bull Horvat's going to stick handle his way through the question. Like he's going to be ready for it. He knows he's going to get asked it, and he's going to stick handle his way through it just because. That's what a captain has to do in the city of Vancouver. When when you're the Vancouver Canucks captain, like you're the one who's getting this damn question coming at you. He knows how to say a lot without saying anything. You know what I mean? Like he knows how to say basically nothing by saying a lot of words. Like he'll he'll say a lot. He'll restate the question. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. he won't give you like an actual answer, which is just that's how a captain's gonna be. He'll bow drag his way through the questions. You're right. Like he'll do the bow drag, <laughs> double bow drag maybe, depending. Yeah. Uh, oh man, easy. <laughs> well, well, depending how many people ask questions, he might have to do a double, triple bow drag. But I think that's enough on the Mott hit. This is something we're gonna follow. Uh, I think the story of the day tomorrow. Well, Chris, can I can I quickly touch on one thing? with with Horvat just to wrap this up I just think that you know what would be great and I don't know like I don't know if it's gonna happen it might happen but like what if Bo can can make it like I don't want to say fun but like spin it into a into like if he does a great job of spinning this I'll just be impressed with him as the captain in his sophomore year like I I talked about it with Brandon Sutter and Alex Edler this morning and both of them were like, it was a struggle for Bo at the start, you know, getting used to it last year, but he really came into his own. He looked good in the playoffs is what they said. I wonder if he's comfortable enough now to, to like, know how to respond to the media in the absolute best way. Like, I, I, I would like to, like, I know it's such a silly thing, and maybe it's just because, like, we're, we're in media, I guess, now, sort of. But, like, I would love to see Bo Horvat spin this into a positive somehow. Like, if he, I don't know how he's going to do it, like, to be well, honest, because, like, that was, a, that was a dirty play. But what if he's somehow able to... I don't want to say have fun with it, but like spin this somehow into a positive. I'll be impressed for sure. 
Well, it it brings back memories of I don't know if you watched this, but Josh Donaldson and John Gibbons got into a fight in the dugout. Believe they were playing Texas. It doesn't really matter. Uh, they got into a fight uh, in the dugout. Donaldson slammed his bat after flying out. He slammed his yeah. bat in the dugout, and he was very upset. And Gibbons turned around and basically said something to him. And then they got nose to nose and were yelling at each other. Uh, and I think there may have been a shove or two. Uh, but anyways, they got separated, got asked about it after the game, and uh, Donaldson basically just said, yeah, Gibby, uh, Gibby said he liked the smell of my cologne, and I said, hey man, back up, you can't be smelling my cologne that close to me, and then uh, <laughs> that was kind of how they spun it, and then he bought a bottle of the new cologne that he was wearing uh, for all of his teammates, and John Gibbons, so it kind of brings back yeah, memories that's, of that's that. That's exactly, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, like, you, yeah. you know, like, it's possible to spin it, right? Yeah, but we know it's just going to be, yeah, guys are competing out there. I'm I'm 100% <laughs> yeah. it's going to be guys are competing yeah. <laughs> out there. That is 110% what we're going to hear. Because, listen, last year when Bo just lost to Jake and yelled, Tuna, just because you effed up doesn't mean you can run around and hit everybody. Get the F going. Um, when Bo said that, that was the question he got the next day. And he's like, look, I'm just trying to keep it hard. Like guys are competing out there. And it was just like, all right, thanks Bo. And that's the answer you're going to get. And there's nothing wrong with that. That is the answer you're going to get. He's a good captain. He knows how to answer questions. That's exactly what you're going to get from Bo Horvat. I don't think we have to talk about this too much tomorrow. I, or tonight, I'm more interested to see, do Tyler Mott and Adam Gaudet come out together and sit at the same table? Like, maybe maybe it's like uh, Michael Jordan in The Last Dance with his head coach when they uh, he, like, gave him a kiss on the head. Do you remember that? In front of the media yeah. because they had had a fight or whatever. Maybe maybe they're going to shake hands on, the, on Zoom or whatever. Maybe not in COVID times. Uh, they won't uh, kiss each other on the head. But uh, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see exactly how they go about this tomorrow because, man, like, this is a... PR staff that is already kind of, you know, doing a bunch more jobs than they should be, right? And we don't want to get too much into the professional side, but we feel for uh, our, I don't want to call them colleagues, but, you know, the people that run the media relations department for the Canucks and everybody that's working at the Canucks right now, like everybody's basically working overtime. Uh, so, you know, hats off to all of them. And especially even with the stream and everything, that was just I can't even imagine what was going on down there uh, during that, but I'm glad we were up in the press box at that point. Yeah, I was, I'll I'll touch on the stream a little. I I was just blown away that they didn't go the route of streaming directly to Facebook or Twitter. Like they wanted to go from Canucks.com, which seemed like when you, when I heard that and when I saw that's where the stream was, I was thinking like, this is a very, this is a harder thing to pull off than a lot of people know because just, you know, trying to get a stream onto a Canucks website that's hosted by the NHL that's a tough thing to pull off, you know, like this, the Canucks don't, I don't think the Canucks run through Canucks.com. I think they go through the NHL, right? Like I think it's, it's a hosted site through the NHL. So I just found it kind of interesting that that's the route that they wanted to go. And obviously it didn't work. Um, like all my mentions at the very start of the game, when I was tweeting out videos was like, where's the stream? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like I don't work for the Canucks or, huh. or anything like that. I don't know where the stream is. Eventually they figured out how to get it onto social media live on Twitter. I don't even know, but I'm assuming they were live on Facebook as well. Um, or maybe Instagram. I just, I didn't really see, I saw it on Twitter for sure. Uh, and then it took them a while to get batches audio patched in, but they got that going as well. So yeah, tough, tough start for them. Um, honestly, like, from start to finish, just like a, a strange scrimmage, I think, right? Like, the goaltenders were, like, fine. They weren't good. And we had a 1-1 game that went to overtime. Like, 
it just it wasn't like what we saw on Wednesday. This this was a, a very different scrimmage, I thought. Well, you mean the goaltenders were good, right? Like the goaltenders were both excellent tonight. No, I thought they, I thought they were fine. Like they weren't. I thought there was bigger saves made by them on uh, on the games on Wednesday for sure. But like they, I just I felt the shooters were off tonight. I think that hmm. there was a lot of shots that missed the net. There was a lot of plays that didn't quite happen. There was a lot of passes through the crease that you know missed stick blades. I just it, it felt off. You know, it felt like, honestly it felt like that exhibition game against Winnipeg last year before yeah. the bubble started. Like it just felt like there was. You know, like something was missing. There was there was a, a piece in the chain that was just not there. Like there was one thing that was missing on a lot of plays, and it felt it felt bad. Like it felt bad. It felt awkward. It felt bad. It didn't feel like uh, I thought we saw a lot of plays finished on Wednesday. And though the goaltending wasn't great on Wednesday, a lot of plays got finished. You didn't see that on Saturday night for sure. And I think that them scheduling a scrimmage on Sunday, uh, you know, at twelve noon, not twelve midnight. Uh, at 12 noon, I think that's actually a good idea to get them right back onto the ice because I, like, with what happened with Tyler Mott and what happened on the ice in the actual game, I, I can see a very mad Travis Green uh, after what the what he saw for three 18-minute periods that day, plus an overtime three-on-three. Three. And uh, and uh, I guess we, maybe we'll save it for the end, but, like, the fun, the best part was the Huglander shootout thing. We can save that for the end if you want to keep going yes. here. Yeah. For what it's worth, um, the goaltenders, in my opinion, were really good. I thought Holtby was really, really solid considering, you know, like, I didn't think he was bad, but I did think there were some things that he needed to get used to. Again, like, I've gone over it on the main show. Uh, just, I'm not going to go over everything that Ian Clark's working with him on again, but one thing that you probably noticed as well, Chris, is just Holtby was really good moving side to side, stopping cross-crease chances. He was really solid at getting there, keeping square. You know, Mikey DiPietro was really good at that, but seeing Holtby able to do that, that's something that he struggled with last year. Same with Demko, but they both looked really good at it this uh, in this game. So, especially for Holtby, who's been working with Ian Clark less, I thought he looked exceptional at implementing the stuff uh, that Clark likes to see in his goaltenders. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's it's a good sign. Like, I, I've i said for a long time that I think, you know, the biggest question mark everybody says is the crease, ever, the goaltending. Is it going to be good enough? I've said for a long time that I think it will be, and I think Ian Clark's going to be the main reason for that. Uh, and, you know, obviously the goaltenders, that's not taking anything away from the goaltenders. It's just, you know, Ian Clark's such a great goalie coach, and that's just so well known that it's like, you know, I, I have enough faith in the things that Clark preaches that the Canucks are going to be just fine in the crease with the goalies that they have and the coach that they have. So moving on from the goaltenders, Chris, I guess we could talk about Niels Hoglander because that kind of segues into what's next on my little list here. And it's who stood out to me before we get to Hoglander, Chris, one guy who stood out is Justin Bailey, excellent skater, but man, you and I were talking about this on the car ride home. It just wasn't great that, like, like Bailey just doesn't really have many other tools, you know? Like, he's arguably one of the best skaters at camp, but he just doesn't really have anything else, you know what I mean? Like, I remember the one NHL game he played last year. I watched, and I was just bewildered at how lost he looked in the defensive zone and the offensive zone. Whenever he was away from the puck, he just looked lost, and... It was it was weird to see because I had watched a lot of him at the AHL level with you, and he was so dominant. So it was just it was interesting. But what you who else stood out for you? Yeah, I think the, a big thing with Justin Bailey is 
the AHL, you have one extra second or one extra step while you're skating, maybe just a half second. Like, you have that extra thing before defenders all over you. Like, you have time to gather the puck and make a decision on what you're going to move to, what what decision you're going to take. Are you going to go inside? Are you going to go outside? Like, you have that at the AHL level. And that's the thing that I think Justin Bailey misses when he gets to the NHL level is he gets the puck on his stick or he receives a pass and there's a guy all over him. Like, he doesn't have that split second to, to make the decision. But, he, like, yeah, he, he was flying tonight. Like, flying down the wings, you know, I think that I, – I think he's faster than Bertanen when he's in a full-out sprint. And that's that's saying a lot because I think Vertanen's the fastest player on the Canucks. You know, head to, from from front to back, like straight line skating. I think Vertanen's the fastest. Oh and yeah. I think that I think Bailey's faster. Honestly, like when Bailey's got going, there's a couple times today where he just kind of chips the puck forward and chases it down. It's the same thing he does at the AHL level when he burns past guys that are in the bottom pairings of AHLs and scores these goals. So I I think there's something there, and I, and I do think that there's a there's potential for him to contribute at the NHL level. But yeah, he there was a lot today in the scrimmage where he just couldn't, you know, he does he does one, two, and three, and then something screws up before he gets to four. Uh, then he struggles to get five going and six going, and you know, there's just like there's something that stopped him in a lot of things today. But yeah, I you know he scored a goal in the penalty shot. Uh, he scored one of the only two goals that we saw today. So I overall, I thought he was one of the better players on the ice in in what was a pretty bad scrimmage overall. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anybody else that stood out for you in particular before we kind of wrap up here? Yeah, I thought um, there's one more thing I want to bring up after, but I thought that uh, Jack Rathbone was pretty solid. I thought that today, like, did you see much of Olya Levy today? Because I, I sure didn't. There wasn't a lot of Olya Levy today, I thought. Listen. I didn't think he was that great today, but I thought Jack Rathbone was excellent for, for the most part. He's, man, if, here, like... He probably should be on the taxi squad, but man, if Jack Rathbone goes to the AHL, he is going to be a star in the AHL. The way that he plays with confidence when, you know, he's already matching up against all these NHL players, and he's showing a lot of confidence with the puck. I mean, firing slap shots with with good pace. He's always sending them into... He's sending a lot of shots on net, and whether he's missing the net or hitting a guy, like he's attempting him. He's got a lot of confidence. I I saw a fake slap shot into a spin move a couple times this week, and you know that's pretty confident for a kid who who has not played a professional game. And yeah, if he if he's not on the taxi squad and he goes to the AHL, like Comets Corey's gonna have a handful loving to see what's going on down there. Oh man, and it'll all be on Canucks Army, which is a really welcome sight for us. But there is one thing I want to say, Chris. Olio Levy, to me, played a really solid game. He played very quietly. He was very, very solid. He he covered for Myers a few times. I thought Myers had an exceptionally bad scrimmage. I think that was the worst scrimmage we've seen Myers have this camp. You know, turned over the puck more than once. Just, like, blew a tire another time, which you feel bad for him there, obviously. But, you know, like... He got beat defending on the rush, and that was one thing I said to you, Chris, is like, I thought Yolevi played well, but one thing we haven't really seen is him defending on the rush. And for somebody like you who's seen him so much at Utica, we know that that's his weakness. So to not really see him have to kind of defend against what his weakness is, it kind of worries you, especially when the Canucks played the Oilers for the first two games of the season. Oh, man. I think yep. we could see a little Yolevi turnstile at the start of the season, but I will say that I thought he was solid tonight. Like, made some great breakout passes, as we're used to seeing with him. I thought his defensive zone coverage is just fantastic. I I think not only is Ali Yolevi going to make the team and line up next to Tyler Myers on opening night, I would go as far to say that 
I really think Yulevi was one of the best defensemen on the ice tonight. Wow. Okay. I thought Quinn Hughes was good. I thought Quinn Hughes was moving the puck in the offensive zone really good. I thought. I said one. Uh, I thought Nate. <laughs> yeah, I thought Nate Schmidt was fine. I didn't think that he stood out like he did in the game on Wednesday, but he was good still. Like he was. Mm-hmm. He's like man. Canucks fans are going to love Nate Schmidt. Not only like off the ice, because obviously everybody's falling in love with his mic'd up videos and what he does when he responds to media. That would be a smart PR move by the Canucks. Just give us Nate Schmidt <laughs> first thing tomorrow morning. Um, but Put yeah, like, in a good you know mood. what? I think you're right with Yolevi. The only thing is, like, he's one of the guys that I am following every time that he's on the ice because I want to see what he matches up like. Like, there's a handful of guys where it's just like when they're on the ice, like, so when the Lotto Line's on the ice, you have to watch what they do. When Niels Hoglander is on the ice, you have to watch what he does. It's the same thing with Rathbone, Rafferty, and and Yolevi to me. And today, compared to other days, I just didn't think that there was as many great bar- like breakout passes by Yolevi. You know, like, he's had a couple in scrimmage, and he's had a couple in practice where you're like, wow, great pass. Like, perfect pass from Yolevi. I just, I didn't see myself saying that very much today. Um, and you know, that's, sometimes that's the way the defenseman is. And that's a, like, a, I think a lot of nights that Yulevi is going to just be fine, like a fine NHL player. Maybe we aren't just going to be talking about anything. Like a lot of people say that, like, if you're not talking about a defenseman at all, they're doing their job. And Yulevi fits that mold exactly yep. to a T. Like if he, if you're not talking about Yulevi, I guess he's doing his job. So maybe that was kind of the situation tonight. I just, I've, I've been keeping an eye for great passes. I've been keeping an eye for good breakouts or, or even good defense plays in, in his own zone. And I just, nothing really stuck out to me like tonight seeing that happen. So, um, yeah, I think that was the only thing. I have one more thing to bring up if you're done with your levy. Sure. I really liked in the scrimmage today, seeing the Huglander line. And I'm calling it that already. Like, it's already taken over the Horvat line. <laughs> Seeing the Huglander's line go up against Elias Pettersson's line. Like, that. those two lines were, were matched up a ton in the second and third periods. They played so many minutes against each other. You know, top line against top line for each team in the scrimmage. And it was fun. Like, it was fun to watch those two lines go up against each other because there were some really good battles. Niels Huglander looked right at home. Like, battling up against some of the NHL's best what could potentially be the best line in the NHL if yep. everything clicks for the lotto line, you know, Niels Huglander was defending them. And that was an excellent sight to see because that's been the biggest question with him. Is he going to be able to defend against some of the best NHL players? And is he going to be able to do what he does offensively against some of the best NHL defensemen? And he's he's just proved it every single day in camp. Like every single day he's proved it in camp. And I know that everybody's talking about Niels Huglander right now. But he's, he's just shocked me. Like, he shocked me so much. I watched every single SHL game this year. I had no idea he was going to come in and do this. Like, I am blown away with Niels Huglander through camp. And I think that's saying something. Because, yeah, some people that, you know, didn't watch him, a lot of the media members probably never saw one game from him this year at the SHL level. And they're just like, oh, this wonder kid coming in, he's looked great. But, like, I, like I've watched every single game. I watched every single game. I tracked Corsi. I did a lot of things. I clipped everything I could. And I am just blown away with how excellent he's been. It's I would have never thought he'd be this good right off the bat. The thing that's impressed me the most, Chris, is just his play at getting the puck back. Like, man, the way he goes after guys on the boards and just, he always comes away with the puck. And even against Elias Pettersson, who like, Jay Beagle goes into him and can't get the puck away. And I know maybe that's a bad example, but like, anybody <laughs> goes into Pettersson and it's not easy to take the puck away from him because he can stick handle around you. But like, Hoglander just goes in and he's able to come away with the puck almost every time. It's truly 
like amazing to watch I think just him on the forecheck and the way he can take the puck away and you know to close out here I just want to leave Canucks fans with one thought Vasily Colson and Nils Hoglan are on the same line forechecking that's going to be a lot of fun to watch let me just say that so I mean with that Chris I don't think there's much else to add unless you've got anything we're going to be back at the rink tomorrow morning putting out this bonus episode just for people to kind of listen to our thoughts on the scrimmage I know people are going to be hungry for content after the the big fight and they want to see what happens you can follow both of us on Twitter I'm sure we'll have quotes out uh, as soon as they come and I think that's going to be the big story tomorrow is how do how do the Canucks kind of handle this uh, from a PR standpoint. Man, it's it's too late in the night. I got all fired up on Huglander there. But yes, um, he's going to be excellent, I think, in board battles. The thing that people are going to see is like the way that he uses his feet and also just controls with his blade so much when he's in these board battles. Like It's next level, man. Like It's next level yep. what we're going to see. So yeah, I'm excited for tomorrow. I think that uh, you know, I'm excited for the scrimmage. I'm excited for the media availability because I think I'm very intrigued to see what they respond with and how they come... At this, you could call it a problem, right? Like, it, it was a problem situation. Yeah, last I think night. it's what, a minor problem, but yes. Yeah, it, it's a minor problem, but it's still a, it's a problem that should be addressed, right? Like, that was that was a bad stretch of play. That was a bad thing to see and on a day where they broadcasted. Like, obviously, one of the media members would have had it out there. It's, it's so funny looking over, like, you... So you were sitting, I guess, like, in the front left of me. Farhan was right to my left behind you. And it's like after every single time that something happens, like me and Farhan just like look at each other. It's like, did you get that? Did you get that? And it's like, you know, one of us either gets it and then we like, we're like, okay. And they tweet it out or none of us, neither of us gets it or we both get it. And then we like, look at, we just like quickly look down to our phones and me and Farhan are just in like a race to like tweet it out really <laughs> fast. So like, I don't know. It's, it's been a lot of fun seeing everyone um, at the rink and everything and just, you know, being able to, to chat. You know, it's it's pretty cool. Like, some of the conversations that's going around uh, at the rink are a lot of fun. So, uh, I'm excited to get back there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, only only a few more days. You know what's Man, it's so crazy that the Canucks are playing on Wednesday night in the regular season. It's unbelievable. I'm so happy. I'm so ready for hockey right now. Yeah, hockey is definitely a welcome sight. This is a fun bonus episode, Chris. For those that haven't listened to it yet, go listen to episode 126. It's our thoughts on training camp up to this point. For Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli, and you've been listening to the Canucks Conversation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 